On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power Calls, welcome. I'm your host, Susan Shereko. One of my favorite parts of being a transformational life and business consultant is the opportunity it gives me to meet people who are actively building their dreams. And if you want to share your own experience in building dreams or would like to uncover ways to begin that process, I would love to help you. I'll tell you what you can do at the end of today's call. So today I am joined by Janelle Hooper, who continually dreams up dreams. She calls them novels. And not only does she dream them, she publishes them. So let's wave our hands to welcome Janelle Hooper. Hello, Janelle. Welcome. Thank you very much. So glad to have you here today. You know, Janelle, you amaze me. You have written nine books so far. Do you ever stop writing? No, actually, I don't. You know, I love what I do so much that I work six days a week often and sometimes even more than that. And uh, I'm known to get up in the middle of the night and make a few adjustments if I dream that they should be done. But, it's okay. when, you know, if, if, you, if you like your work, it's not work. It's fun. That's true. I agree with you there. So when did you start to write? Well, to be honest, and uh, I started to write when I was seven years old. My cousin and I started a neighborhood uh, newsletter, and what we did was we went down to the uh, hardware store, which there wasn't much, many, there weren't many places to, you know, shop in my little hometown, and we found the Dick Tracy press kit with the stamps and everything. And so we bought that. We spent all of the Christmas money that we were supposed to be spending on our parents, and we bought this press kit. And we went home, and we started making newsletters for the neighborhood. And we didn't know how to do that. So we thought that, well, our parents read those magazines about Hollywood magazines and the scandals and everything. So we thought, well, that's what you do. So we told all the scandals in the neighborhood. The guy oh, that no. was, it was a dry county, and the guy that was uh, hiding booze bottles under the trash and putting a tip on top so they would take them, and the guy who had trained his dog to go poop on the neighbor's yard, and the lady who was having an affair with that same guy. I mean, we just told it all. Oh, boy, Susan, we were in such trouble. Oh, were you ever? <laughs> but then I moved on. But then I moved on and studied drama and journalism in college. And uh, uh, it went on from there on a more reasonable scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you actually um, worked for a time for a, a magazine of some sort, didn't you? I did. That was a job I had uh, for a teenage magazine. It was the first job that I'd ever had as a writer, for they really paid me. And so I was thrilled, and I just thought I could be there forever. Even though I'd always said I wanted to write a novel, I kept putting it off because, let's face it, I was making good money. You know, it was not the time to start of, to start quitting, you know, and, and write a novel. But then, Susan, I got damn-sized. And so that's when I thought, well, now's a good time to start that novel since I'm not doing anything else. And uh, it was kind of comical because for a while, everything I wrote after that 
uh, teenage magazine job, everything I wrote sounded like a press release. I just uh-huh. couldn't get out of that pattern. You know, mm-hmm. I just couldn't mm-hmm. break into the, you know, the, the rhythm of the writing a novel. But anyway, it all worked out. What was your first novel? That is it. The a Three Turtle Summer is my first novel. I, writ- I had written smaller books, like I wrote a book called Surviving Arthritis, because I was a sufferer of that, and it was a self-motivational, humorous book. But I finally took it off uh, the shelf because it was just a little bit personal. And as I grew older, I thought, you know, this may not be something my grandkids will want to read later on. I better get rid of this book. (laughs) So how did you come up with this title, Three Turtles Summer? Well, in in the story, it's 1949, and Grace and her daughter Glory are living through a really hot summer. And the summer is so hot that all of Glory's turtles have died. Little pet turtles, you know, ones that had the rose Mm -hmm. painted on the back. And Mm -hmm. so they started calling it that they were living through a three-turtle summer. But uh, it was also necessary for Grace to get rid of her husband, who was very abusive. And so things were hot for more than one reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, um, she had to get rid of her husband. What did, what did she, you know, did, was she able to accomplish what she wanted to do? Well, she knew she had to have a plan, Susan. This, uh, lot in Oklahoma, which is the, the setting for the novel, is 60 miles from the Texas border. And at those days, Hispanics didn't have nearly the leeway that they do now. And so my family was very careful about what they did. And Grace knew that the courts would most of the time give custody of a child during a divorce to a white man. And he was violent and just she just knew he wasn't going to be a good father. So she started her plan that first she knew she had to be able to tell the courts that she could afford to take care of this child. And so she started a a secret sewing business out of her kitchen. She was a wonderful seamstress. And then she just went along with her plans, got an attorney, and he told her to wait until Duane went to Occupy Japan, which is they were sending the troops over from Fort Sill to Occupy Japan. And once he was gone, then she could file for divorce, and he wouldn't be able to show up and beg for custody. So the whole the whole novel is how this evolves until she finally succeeds at succeeds and gets her uh, uh, gets her freedom. Now, now you refer to this novel as an autobiographical fiction. If that's the case, which character are you? I'm Glory. And who's Glory? Glory is her five year old daughter. Oh wow! You so, you have a good memory. <laughs> I was right. Do you know I can remember the strangest things? I remember just what happened, but I can't remember if I have eggs in the refrigerator. I can't understand. <laughs> I can't explain that, but it's the way it is. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, my mother and I had quite a time with this guy, and this. Uh, I actually wrote a turtle trilogy. A Three Turtle Summer is the first novel. Then the second one is As Brown as I Want, the Indian Head Diaries. 
and that's when Glory is seven years old, and uh, she has to deal with her father as a child. You know, she actually has to have interaction with him, and things aren't going well because he's taken out a $50,000 accidental death insurance policy on her, and he's spending the summer trying to collect, and this really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so that uh, that was the second novel. And then the third one is I just, it just makes my heart warm to think about. I love my relatives. I just loved my family. But uh, in Custer and His Naked Ladies, the same women that are in the first novel that were young are in their senior years. And so the book kind of just finishes out their life. Isn't that something? Now, were you able to to write full-time, or were you also working? (laughs) Well, since I lost my job, you know, I I tried to find another job. I really did. But uh, everywhere I went, a a few years ago, when I, this was 2002, when I would show up for a job interview, and I couldn't find a writing job. I mean, that was out of the question. There just wasn't that much around here. Uh, when I would show up for a job interview, they would look at my deformed hands. I had deformed hands and deformed feet. Well, I could hide the feet, but I could not hide the deformed hands. And one lady just honestly told me, we have a, an architectural firm here that, you know, people come to that expect, you know, good service and high-end service. And she said, we can't have them see you. The first as the first thing they walk through the door and your hands. She just out and out told me. Mm. And so somebody told me at the time that I could contest that, but who would want to work for somebody that was forced to hire you? You know, I just Correct. didn't think that that Correct. would be, you know. So I, and uh, I was lucky enough to be married at the time. And my husband, well, I've been married since 1962. But anyway, I've been, I was still married. And my husband said, just, you know, just stay home. You know, and, and do your novel and, you know, do what you want to do. And so that's what I did. I took him up on it. How, how wonderful. I mean, that's your dream anyway, to be able to write. It was. It was. Yeah. But kind of honestly, he kind of bribed me. My daughter <laughs> had had a, a premature baby, and she went to uh, get daycare and they said it was something like $450 a month for this child. And she didn't have that kind of money. She wasn't making that much, you know, by the time you pay rent, et cetera. So uh, she went to my husband. Now, this is the way things are done in my family. I don't know what I did to start this pattern, but they never came to me. They always go to him and said, Dad, I need Mom to watch Jacob, you know. And so he said, I'll tell you what, if you stay home five days a week and take care of Jacob, on the weekends, I will do anything that needs to be done. I'll shop. I'll cook. I'll clean. I'll do the wash. I'll do everything if you will just take care of Jacob. Well, what he didn't know was that I was jumping at the chance to take care of Jacob. I mean, so I really got a double deal. I mean, let me tell you, I, I got to take care of my grandchild. It turned out to be the only grandchild I would ever get. And uh, when she left 
and was going to work the first morning, I, I yelled at her at the stairs. It was seven stairs down to the front door. I said, Chanel, you didn't tell me how you want me to raise him. And she turned around. She said, Mom, just raise him like you did me. And yeah, she see. left. And so that's <laughs> what I did. Ah, oh, wonderful. How charming. You know, uh, getting back to your books, your latest book just came out a few weeks ago, didn't it? It did. Well, actually, a few days. I think it was last week. Seems like it was on Sunday. I'm not sure. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So it, it finally came out. And uh, I think some people thought I was never going to finish it. But I rewrite until, you know, the earth starts to cave in. <laughs> and then I, I finally give up on it. You know, it's just actually this time I start thinking, I've worked on this thing for, I was on the ninth rewrite. And I thought, you know, what if I have a stroke or something and this darn book never gets finished? Maybe I should give up and publish it. But it was really finished anyway. It was, it's just hard to let go. It's like letting, mm-hmm. going of, letting go of a child, you know. It really is. Yeah, yeah. You put so much into it. So what is this last one called? Geronimo's Laptop. And it, it, what genre is it? It's a historical fantasy. Oh, okay. And so it's um, it's based on the historical character, Geronimo? It is. It is. And the historical part of the book is real, and that's true. But where the fantasy comes in is that, see, Geronimo was imprisoned on the in the Fort Sill Indian Reservation, which is just a big prison, only they had their little houses, you know, outside. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a cell. And he couldn't go anywhere. I mean, he they let him out once in a while to go work on a Wild West show or to do something they wanted him to do. Uh, mm-hmm. He showed up at a lot of fairs and stuff like that, but mostly he was stuck there. So the only way I could get some action in the novel was that I could think of was to give him a laptop that he could slide backwards through history and stay in present time and move forward to the future, what was going to happen to the Apaches in the future. And uh, it was a method that uh, I'm getting a couple of reviews now, and one of them said, I would have never thought of that, (laughs) you know. But uh, I was also thinking that, you know, the young people might like that because, you know, they're so into technology. Mm -hmm. And that I don't just mean necessarily mean kids, but, you know, young adults might really – Uh, be able to grasp the fantasy of using a laptop in the plot. Right, historically, absolutely. Here's a man in the 1800s who has a laptop. Yeah. Interesting, very interesting device to work with. I like that. Well, you know, you've written so many books. You know, what do you find to be the most challenging part of it? The marketing. I love the writing. I love everything about the writing. I like the research. I like doing the outline. I like talking to other people about it, you know, my friends that are writers. And I like everything about writing. But at marketing, I just kind of just sit there and blubber. You know, I've never been good at it. (laughs) I can understand that. I think you know, there is a. I have a fair amount of resistance to marketing myself. I have to work around it all the time. How have How have you found to work around it? Well, I started slow, and I still am not doing a good job. Let me say that much before I go any further. But uh, I had a publisher. It was iUniverse called me one day. They had done a 
three or four of my books, I can't remember. And then she said, we thought it'd be a really good idea if you would get on Instagram. And I barely knew what Instagram was. And I kind of kind of thought through it in my mind. I thought, man, they're talking about a lot of work there. Since I'm not graphic, I have no experience. You know, I don't know. I'm very untechy. And so, but she kept insisting. So I thought, okay, I'm a team player. I'll try it. So I got started doing it, and it was hard for me because I just didn't know anything. I really knew nothing. But once I got into it, I got hooked. And so then I, well, I already had a Facebook, but I had always used it just to talk to my friends. So I turned my Facebook pretty much into marketing my books. And then I started a WordPress blog, and I used that to market my books. So inch by inch. And the last one, the last thing, oh, I made some YouTube videos. I love to make videos. I did those to advertise my books. And the latest thing I've done is uh, something called Substack. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not. Well, it's kind of a high-end blog for writers where we put in our best work, uh, short stories, excerpts, things like that. And they also have financial people or medical people and psychologists. They've got everything on there. But the writers, uh, some of the writers that I most respect are on Substack with their poetry and their short stories, etc. So I started that, and that's another challenge because you have to illustrate the stories, and mm. I don't always have a photo that illustrates the stories, so I'm forced to search, you know, and often pay a, quite a premium for a photograph, you know, just, just so I can put the, the photograph up there. But anyway, so... That's what I'm doing. And then talking to you, of course, I mean, I'm starting. I So far, uh, I don't know if it's working or not, Susan, but I'm doing, <laughs> I'm using what I call the shotgun method uh-huh. of marketing. <laughs> everything, everything. Oh, and I forgot Twitter. I've got to mention Twitter and Pinterest. I do it all. But it's really, it's really fun once you get past the technology. Yes. So I'm, I'm surviving. Yes. Well, that's good. And, and you have, um, you know, and do do you get anybody who can help you so that you don't have to do all the marketing and you can concentrate on your writing? Unfortunately, no. Other than you guys, you guys are doing <laughs> a lot. But uh, for one thing, there's no money in writing. Not for me because I don't write about vampires. If you want to make money right now in writing, you've got to write a vampire book. And I don't know anything about vampires. I mean, not even my mother-in-law would qualify for that. I mean, you know, and so <laughs> I... I just had to do, you know, what I could, and my office is very small, and I couldn't well, hire anybody. I don't, they'd have to work in the kitchen. You know, I just have a, a teeny house. So anyway, so I'm stuck on my own, but I don't mind. I kind of like being alone. I was an only child, and so mm-hmm. I, you know, I make it work for me. I, it just, obviously, if you looked at my sales, you'd go, she's not working very well, but Anyway, this one's going to be different, Susan. <laughs> well, that's it. It's no. going to be different. But they, first of all, people have to know where to get your books. So where can they get your books? Well, the paperbacks are available. Uh, almost all of my books are available in paperback and in ebook. And the paperbacks are picked up not only by Amazon but the, by other bookstores, you know, on the mm-hmm. Internet. Mm-hmm. 
So right. they're on Barnes and Noble, and I'm not even sure what's out there anymore. There's some Hispanic ones even out there. So mm. I do that, and uh, I lean heavily on Amazon because they are so good to their writers, and they even made up a an author's page for me with all my books on it, and you know you can post stuff on there, almost like a pictorial blog, you know. So I really depend upon them uh, to make it easy for me to do something that, well, frankly, if I went to publish a book all by myself, it would be expensive. You know what that's like nowadays, the mm-hmm, cost of mm-hmm. printing. So anyway, well, that's, so that's you know, how I you do mentioned, it. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the Amazon spot. I wanted to let people know that um, what your author page is. It's Amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Janelle Hooper. And let yes. me spell that. It's J-A-N-E-L-L-E-H-O-O-P-E-R. So you they can it. find you. They can find you. They can, It'll they talk can about you and there. your books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, it was quite magical because I didn't even know I had an author's page until one day <laughs> I stumbled across it. I thought, oh, this is kind of neat. Who did this? And it, I started investigating it, of course. It was Amazon. But I was never uh, expecting them to do something like that. And, of course, they don't do it just for me. They do it for everybody. But I had just thought for anybody to do that for me, I was bowled over. And they did a beautiful job. That's great. That's great. Now, is that your favorite place to send people who want to know about you and your work? Well, I also have a WordPress blog. That's Janelle Mraz Hooper, uh, author, A-U-T-H-O-R, and that has over 20,000 subscribers. I think it's close to 22, 23 now. And then mm-hmm. I have Twitter. I, I advertise my books on Twitter. Oh, Susan, I advertise them everywhere. You know, if you stood still in the hallway, I might stick a bumper sticker on your back, you know. Buy my book, you, go here, you know. Have you gotten to the point where you're going to put signs on the side of your automobile so that people can see your, you know, as you drive by, they see your ads? <laughs> you know what? I, I have authors that, friends that have thought of that. But to be honest, uh, I don't drive anymore. I had some oh, okay. uh, vision problems. And so my poor little Chevy Blazer, which I was crazy about that car. It's a 97 Chevy Blazer. It's got only 79,000 miles on it. And that's for a car that old. That's kind of rare. But I just drove it around our little town, around Puyallup. Anyway, I have to sell it because they won't give me insurance for a car if I don't have a driver's license. Now, that's logical, isn't it? But somehow it never occurred to me that I was going to have to sell this car ever. I mean, I would have kept it forever and ever, amen. But uh, I guess I thought maybe I'd get younger and, and start driving again. I don't know what my thinking pattern was, you know. But anyway, uh, but anyway, the car's out there, and I think probably this weekend it might go up with a uh, good for sale sign on it. But, yeah, so I, but so I guess I, it's parked. I could park it on the street maybe and put a sign on the door. You could do that. But, <laughs> and I, I don't think it's terribly expensive to make them, but I was really kind of being silly because you're trying Yeah, everything. well, you know, hey, listen, I will consider anything. It's, again, the shotgun method of, of advertising. So I uh, anyway, well, I, I, I make I have, it fun. That's good. It sounds like you make even your writing fun. Do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, other than the fact 
that uh, all the different novels that I've put out, I would just like to explain to people that I'm a freelance author. And when I wrote a play for Rudy Ramos, that the first Geronimo, Life on the Reservation, was the play. And then this play, uh, Geronimo's Laptop, is an extension of that play. And this particular play was chosen as one of the New York, not New York, Los Angeles Times uh, Best Cultural 19. And that included mm. the symphony and the, the probably the ballet people and everybody, and I was one of the 19. So I was thrilled because I live in a little, I have to be careful now because people might hear me. It's a little town. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> and uh, and uh, for for somebody like me to win an award from Los Angeles was really, really exciting. That would be. It's a you know there are a couple of big markets and L.A. is one of them, so yeah. that's fantastic. What what great opportunity for you? Well, it I was to, it was yeah. I want to thank you for being here to know you know. But let's remind our readers, our listeners, that we've been speaking with Janelle Hooper about her books of Three Turtles Summer, which is part of the Turtle Trilogy, and Geronimo's Laptop, which just came out in the last week. And as I mentioned at the top of this program. One of my favorite parts of being a transformational life and business consultant is the opportunity it gives me to interview people who are actively building their dreams. So if you want to share your own experience in building dreams or would like to uncover ways to begin that process, I would love to help you. So check out my vision workshops at www.embracepositivechange.com and book an appointment for a time to talk. So thank you for listening. Thanks to all those who support this program. We appreciate you. Thank you, Susan. Yes, as we bring this in for a landing, Janelle, thank you again for joining the show. Bye for now, and have a great day.